Well, we know it's officially talking season here in the SEC, especially with the Razorbacks, who actually have a lot of momentum heading into SEC Media Days next week. So there's a lot of positive things to talk about, but we're also going to talk about some things that they need to work on. Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast joins us today on the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. We're going to continue our discussion with Arkansas football. As we know, officially announced yesterday that with media days coming up next week, Sam Pittman is going to be bringing along KJ Jefferson, Bumperpool, and Jalen Catalan. Not surprising there, but there's a lot of things to talk about, not only with the Razorbacks heading into next week, but also the SEC in general. And there's no better person to have on our podcast today as we welcome in Michael Bratton of That SEC Podcast. And really appreciate you joining us, Michael. It's been a while, man. How you doing? Hey, doing great, John. And I got to be honest, it's I do a ton of these shows, and it's rare that uh, I get asked to come on a show that I'm a regular listener to myself. So it's a real treat anytime to to be on your show. I really appreciate it. Well, I hope this ends up being your favorite podcast that you ever listened to of mine. So the fact that you're on it. But no, we appreciate it, man. We appreciate you listening in. And, and that's kind of like what's fun at this point in time in year. And we were kind of talking about it before the podcast started, that with Arkansas and just every SEC team as you cover, we, we head into this talking season. But I feel like every single team always has one big thing, whether it's a coach that's on the hot seat or it's a new coach or if it's a new quarterback, whatever it is. But with Arkansas, there's no coach on the hot seat, surprisingly. There's there's no problem at quarterback. They know who their starter is. And honestly, there's a lot of positive movement going on right now. So from your perspective, what would you say is kind of the, the number one headline or the number one story about the Razorback football team heading in this, this upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, that's a loaded question. You could go a number of different ways if you want to talk about maybe question marks on the roster. Uh, I know lo- people love to talk about the, the schedule, and I hate that more than anything because that's all I've heard about the Arkansas Razorbacks. The schedule's too hard to compete. I don't buy into schedule talk either. So uh, I guess for me, the biggest question mark for Sam Pittman and company, uh, obviously done a, done a heck of a job. I, I like to say that uh, if you go back from when Sam Pittman was hired, of course, two seasons ago. I don't think there's a coach that's done a better job in the country if you're spanning two seasons than Sam Pittman and his coaching staff. So they've certainly done well, but we're in the SEC West, brother. And this is a grind. It's the toughest league, toughest league, toughest division in the country. Can Arkansas take that next step? And I'm not trying to downplay any of the success they've had because it's been tremendous. But can they take that next step to be a legitimate SEC West contender I think that's the biggest question mark I have with the Arkansas Razorbacks yeah because I was thinking about kind of the the best case scenario and the worst case scenario for Razorback football and of course I look at it in a different lens than most people but the schedule itself I've tried to argue that I actually feel like it's still extremely difficult but Better than last year, because you don't have to go on the road to Georgia, on the road to Bama, on the road to Ole Miss. Your toughest games are at home, and you replace at Georgia with South Carolina. I know you have Cincinnati and some other teams, too, but I actually feel like the schedule 
is a little bit easier than last year, although it's really difficult. And also, there's just a lot of uncertainty about a lot of the teams Arkansas is going to be playing. Ole Miss being one of them where you don't know. They've had to replace so much. What are they going to look like? You know, is Mississippi State going to be that same team that we've seen where they're just a little bit above a 500 team? What about LSU with Brian Kelly? There's just all this uncertainty where I could, I'm looking at the schedule and I'm looking at who Arkansas has talent-wise. And I'm like, I could see if everything went perfectly for Arkansas, them going like 10 and 2. Like, again, that's if everything went right. But I also don't see them doing anything worse than 6 and 6. So there's a pretty wide gap there. But I believe just based on what we know and what we've seen, that there's just so many different opportunities for Arkansas to take that next step. And the schedule, to me, sizes up to be possibly a little bit more favorable to him this year. Yeah, and I'll do you one better, John. We did, uh, we've did. we been doing a fall camp preview for all the SEC teams over at uh, that SEC podcast. We did Arkansas was our, the number two team we did. It's been the most popular one we did. And, and we went a step further, said 11-1 and one is uh, the most optimistic outlook. Now, certainly – don't uh, run to your nearest casino and, and bet 11-1 and one Arkansas. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying it could happen if, uh, you know, things break right. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to like if you're an Arkansas Razorback fan. It's a heck of a time. The, the one thing I would disagree with you on that schedule, because I don't have a ton of respect for Cincinnati. I mean, I think it's a joke that people think that's going to be a competitive ball game unless Arkansas comes out a little flat like they did last year against, what was it, I think, Rice. If they start slow – Maybe it's a ball game, but I just don't see that because we're getting a team that just went to the college football playoff. So it's hard for me to imagine the Razorbacks don't take that too seriously. But the one game that I think, and again, I think Arkansas should beat this team 9 out of 10, maybe even 10 out of 10, is BYU going on the road. And the only reason, uh, I'm not sitting here looking at the schedule, but I believe they go A&M, Alabama, at Mississippi State, and then that at BYU – so that, that's a tough grind right there. And then you add on the fact that it, it, people are going to roll their eyes when I say this, but that, that dang elevation, unless you've experienced it, it's real. So if you get into a four-quarter ball game with BYU, uh, the Razorbacks may be out of gas. That's why they've got to put that team away early. I, I've got confidence they can get that done. But uh, that's the one where I, I look at the schedule and I'm like, what, what were they thinking putting that game in that location? Well, that's actually, you know, something that I looked up at Arkansas and they haven't had the best of luck anytime they've had to go to a time zone that's west of them. Uh, I think the last time that they really went truly far out there was, of course, USC in 05, where they had a guys like Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush and they lost 70 to 17. So I know that that was a different time in a different era. But between that, even, uh, you know, some other times where the Colorado State, for instance, which I know that was Chad Morris and, you know, he would have lost to anybody, but didn't matter if that game was home or away. But, you know, he lost that one, too. So there was there's always just been the stigma about Arkansas. And I'm sure for other teams, too, that anytime they go out west, it, it doesn't bode very well for them. I, I guess the one thing that I look at is, yeah, going out there, it just kind of depends on what Arkansas does up to that point. You know, if, if Arkansas is sitting at, you know, somewhere they've lost to AM and they lost to Alabama in back to back weeks. And maybe, you know, they're kind of reeling a little bit. I think that game looks, looks a little bit more difficult. But if they've been playing really well and everybody's staying healthy, I, I think that they could go out there and win it. I'm actually going to be going out there myself. But, yeah, there's something about going out to a team you're not familiar with against a coach you're not familiar with and an area you're not familiar with. I don't, I'm pretty sure nobody on the Razorback football team from Utah. So, I mean, it's just going to be a whole new experience for pretty much everybody involved in that game. 
Yeah, as my co-host cousin Shane says, if you're traveling out that game, BYOB, you know, bring your own beer or bring your own Bible, however you want to look at it, because uh, there's not going to be a lot of concessions out there that, that Razorback fans are going to appreciate. No, no. In fact, uh, I think we're going to have to load up my butt. My buddy's going to load up his truck with bush light so you can just drive all the way through <laughs> and uh, just so he could bring it. But yeah, that's that's kind of the instinct. But, you know, but with Arkansas, it's like, I don't want to try to seem overconfident because we know like last year, Arkansas had a, a great start. Then they hit that little bit of a wall uh, where they lost to Georgia. They lost to Ole Miss, all, both on the road. And then they lost to Auburn at home, which I'm not trying to like downplay or anything like that. But uh, there's something about it. I, I want your, your thoughts on this. That A&M or that Georgia game was at 11 a.m. That Ole Miss game was at 11 a.m. That Auburn game was at 11 a.m. And then UAPB, they had that was at 11 a.m. too, which they won that game. But they had four straight 11 a.m. games. Is there something maybe to like Arkansas or just teams in general, but specifically Arkansas about those 11 a.m. games where because last year that was all the ones that Arkansas struggled with, but all the other ones that were not at 11 a.m., especially in the SEC, they ended up winning. No problem. Right. And it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I was going to say the same thing. They've already scheduled the uh, week two. South Carolina is going to be another early one and that's a dangerous dangerous game because i i think south carolina is going to be much improved this fall so uh you know i just think it's it's harder for the fans to get energized it's you know you got to get up there early and you can't get good and boozed up and it's and it's hot and it's humid and i just think that all plays into it because every you know i've been i haven't been to every sec stadium i think i've got two or three left to cross off my list but you know, it's just completely different atmosphere night and day. I don't care where you're at. So, uh, yeah, I think there's something really to that. And I, for the life of me, I've tried to figure it out why the SEC keeps scheduling these uh, 11 a.m. kickoffs for the Arkansas Razorbacks. I can't figure it out. But it's really disrespectful when you see what those fans can do in a night atmosphere like we saw last year with the Texas Longhorns came into town, puffing their chest. Everybody was picking the Longhorns uh, with the, a few exceptions of, I was in that boat picking the Arkansas Razorbacks, but a lot of that reason had to do because of that dang buzzsaw they were running into coming into Razorback Stadium. Those fans deserve more night games, and uh, I think all of college football got to see that showcase. What a, what a tremendous, tremendous scene you can have there in Fayetteville. We're going to continue our discussion with Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast here in just a second, but first, I got to tell you about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you'll ever need. So why endure this pain? Why go through this all when you can save time and money using Rock Auto? 30, 50, even 100% more is what it's going to cost you if you go to your local chain parts store. But that's what's great about Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. And they have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go and explore their easy-to-use website and find the solution to all of your auto part needs. If you go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're continuing our discussion with Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. And, and Mike, I want to ask you specifically, since we're talking Arkansas, about K.J. Jefferson. Uh, I know that you came out with your quarterback rankings 
of SEC quarterbacks. You have KJ at number two, uh, right behind Bryce Young, which I feel like even all Razorback fans are saying, yeah, that's probably true. He's behind Bryce Young. like, But most people feel like he is the second-best quarterback coming into this upcoming season. I know people talked about Hooker from Tennessee, possibly being that guy. People are big on Spencer Rattler, even though there's a lot of uh, – a lot of the unknowns there too, but you have KJ Jefferson at number two. You obviously have a lot of belief in KJ Jefferson. So what is it about KJ and from what you saw this, this past year and also heading into this year that makes you feel like he's worthy of being considered the second best quarterback in this conference? Yeah. I uh, appreciate the plug there, John, but, um, and, and just, you know, a little note here, when I do these quarterback rankings, I do them every preseason, but instead of just looking at what they did last year, and maybe the stats or whatever, I'm projecting how these guys are going to rank by the end of the season. So it's a little bit different. And last preseason, I had KJ at number four. And a lot of people were just, uh, you know, they were very disturbed by that ranking. But I think I was verified by how well he played. Uh, I just see a combination of, I've already seen some blowback from Arkansas fans, but I love Vince Young when he was in college. A lot of that. My co-host says Tim Tebow. I see that. It's just the leadership. It's the toughness. It's the running ability. It's the throwing ability. It's you know he's willing to sacrifice his body uh, to get in that end zone when some guys won't. He's just a massive, massive uh, mountain of a man back there. And I realized that uh, you know there are questions about the receiving core, no doubt. But just because you lost Traylon Burks, he's so good, first round pick. But I just think Arkansas is going to be going to be a machine on the ground. I think they're going to, once again, lead the SEC in rushing, and that should create a lot of uh, advantageous boxes for the Arkansas Razorbacks to take care of. And and one stat that I've been throwing out all offseason, uh, Kendall Browse has, every year he's got a new quarterback. It, it You have to go back a while to when he had a quarterback, starting quarterback, two years in a row. The last one was a guy named RG3 who won the Heisman Trophy that year. So, I'm not sitting here saying that K.J. Jefferson is going to win the Heisman, but I do think he's a legitimate dark horse to win that award. And if he's the second best quarterback in the SEC, he should be a Heisman finalist. Uh, I just think Arkansas with a four or five on the offensive line, three stud running backs all coming back. He's surrounded by weapons. I think he's going to have another heck of a year there in Fayetteville. You, know, you mentioned a few players. Uh, I've always heard, again, not saying that he's as good, but the comparison is his play is like a Cam Newton, too where he's just a big, able-bodied guy. And that's where it's like, with Arkansas, it's kind of been strange in their quarterback history. Like, they have never had the elite quarterbacks that a lot of people would think from other SEC schools. I've always said I think Ryan Mallett was in the best quarterback that Arkansas has ever had. Uh, some people would say, you know, way back when, if you're talking about Joe Ferguson, you know, people like Quinn Grovey, people liked Matt Jones. But it's it seems like in the – like, they had Matt Jones during an era where – dual threat quarterbacks were almost like not even heard of, you know, it, it was such a unique thing. And then after Matt left, they never had another dual threat quarterback. It was always just pocket presence, pocket passing. And a lot of it had to do with coaching. So it almost seems like Arkansas has just been behind the eight ball a little bit when getting to these dual threat quarterbacks. And now that you have KJ with the combination of Kendall Bryles, it, it kind of is just adding up to me of showing that, if you're a team like Arkansas that may not have the five-star talent surrounding the quarterbacks or the defense, you know, having the guy, talent like Alabama or LSU or Georgia or whoever, how you can be competitive and how you can win in this conference is by having an elite, crazy, great, athletic, dual-threat quarterback. And that's where I feel like Arkansas may have missed the boat a little bit under Bielma 
and even under Morris a little bit with a lot of other issues. But now that they have a dual threat quarterback and he's really good and he's strong and he's athletic and all those things, it seems like if they're going to compete in the conference, if they're going to win this conference or whatever, they need to start there by always making sure they have one of those types of quarterbacks and then just plug the pieces in around him after that. Yeah, and I think uh, one important item you hit, hit there is, of course, Kendall Browse uh, running this you know, Baylor-based offense. That's what they're running at Ole Miss. That's what they're running at Tennessee. Now they're running it at Oklahoma. So it's kind of taking college football by storm. And, and all those things I just, you know, the teams I mentioned, Arkansas, Tennessee, Ole Miss, you know, no due respect to, uh, uh, no disrespect to, to the, those programs. They don't have the talent of Georgia and Alabama yet. They were some of the best offenses in the SEC last year. So uh, the tempo, the speed, that can really help an offense out. And we saw it with Matt Corral, who I know Arkansas fans hate him, but I was singing his praises this time last year. He took that big jump going into year two of that system, being fully immersed in it. So I think similar, we could see that with KJ Jefferson. Could even see it with Hendon Hooker. Heck, I'm a Tennessee grad. And I got a ton of respect for Hendon Hooker, but I just think KJ Jefferson is a little bit better. If, if you were to ask me by the end of the season, who do I want leading my football team, Hendon Hooker or KJ Jefferson? I got to go KJ Jefferson. That's why I put him number two in that quarterback rankings list. You think KJ is like a NFL caliber quarterback? I mean, obviously we got to see what he can do this year too. Cause I'm my thing is about KJ, like getting back to that point, but my thing about KJ, and this is why I'm still thinking he's a great quarterback. I would pick him as my all sec second team right now too. But the biggest question I have is, like, how can he manage and how can he do without Traylon Burks? Because, I mean, if you have a wide receiver like that, he can bail you out of a lot of situations. But now we'll see that this year. But just looking at his prototypical type quarterbacks and what the NFL is looking for, do you feel like he has those attributes and has that type of capability to be able to, if he has a good year this year or a great year this year, be one of the top quarterbacks taken in the NFL draft next year? I mean, possibly. But, uh, heck, I didn't think. I thought Cam Newton to the NFL was a joke, and and he was awesome. So uh, I'm not the best judge of, of what a college quarterback looks like going to be in the NFL. I thought Jamarcus Russell was maybe the most talented guy I've ever seen in college football. I saw him in person come into Neyland Stadium and just wreck uh, a top-10 Tennessee team. So I'm a bad person to, to pick who's got pro potential, but you know I, I think KJ's got a lot to prove in that area. But – we're seeing that now even in the NFL with the, the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, they're kind of adopting a lot of, a, more of these college-based, uh, uh, you know, offensive systems. So uh, I think as more and more teams do that, I really do think NFL is more about these, these players that get drafted. What's the situation they get drafted into? I mean, it's like the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. They seem to draft a quarterback in the first round every two to three years. But the organization is so horrible, they never have any success. Whereas uh, a team like Green Bay or uh, Pittsburgh or New England, they draft these guys and they're stars. So I think it's a lot to do with the organization as well. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see. I think he deserves the shot, no doubt, to play in the NFL. But uh, it's, it's a little early for me to say, you know, whether he can be a, a face of the franchise at the next level or not. We're going to continue our discussion with Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast here in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about Built Bar from the people that you know have invented some of the best protein bars you will ever have. They have so many different flavors to choose from. It's something that I continue to use, especially when you're so busy, you're on the go, don't have any time to cook or anything. That's what Built Bar is for. You can eat it where not only does it taste amazing and they have the delicious different flavors, but it also is extremely healthy for you. Up to 17 grams of protein in each and every bar. 
and it's only 130 calories. So you can have it for that extra energy. You can have it for that workout. You can have it for whatever you need. And the best thing about it is because you listen to this podcast, we're going to give you a great deal where if you go to built.com and enter in promo code locked 15, you're going to get 15% off your next order. It doesn't matter how many you order. It doesn't matter what flavors you get. It doesn't matter if you buy the entire store. If you enter in promo code locked 15, you'll get 15% off of Built Bar at Built.com. Again, 15% off at Built.com using promo code LOCKED15. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Michael Bratton of That SEC Podcast is our guest here on the podcast, and we enter into the final segment. And, and Mike, we've talked a lot about Arkansas. We've talked about their schedule a little bit. We've talked about KJ Jefferson, and since it's a Wednesday, I've kind of been doing these types of podcasts, but since I had you on, we can kind of maybe use it for this final segment. You, you've talked about Arkansas and how good they could be, you know, like the ceiling, if everything went their way, how and, and you know, the schedule set up for it, you know, they could get to that double-digit win season in the regular season. So here's my question to you. What if Arkansas was able to do that? What if Arkansas this year – say went 11 and one just just blew the doors off of everybody's minds they were competing for a national championship top five team whatever it may be what what does that do not only for arkansas but what does that do to the rest of the sec where suddenly there's this team that everybody and just looked at as kind of being hey know your place to suddenly boom in year three under sam Pittman they're competing for a national championship and they're in the national conversation what happens there what what does that mean um, you know, that's a loaded question, but honestly, how I think it would be taken, and I think it'd be completely ass backwards, if I can say that, you can. people would say <laughs> the FCC West is not as strong as it is because Arkansas is at the top. That's what they'll say. I guarantee you. They'd say, what's wrong with A&M? What's wrong with LSU? Why can't the Mississippi schools get it together? They would downgrade the SEC instead of saying, uh, Arkansas has got one of the best programs in the country. You look at the recruiting rankings right now, you know, Sam Pittman obviously made a couple staff changes and it looks to be working incredibly well because uh, I don't, I haven't looked at the rankings today, but I believe they're number one or number two in the SEC in the recruiting rankings. So the momentum is definitely real. They're in Fayetteville. They're investing not only in uh, football, but of course, basketball, they're preseason number one from what I hear so yeah things are definitely the arrow is pointing up but I guarantee you if that happens if Arkansas goes 11 and one or a miracle season who do, let's say things tumble in Tuscaloosa and old I call him grandpa Nick down there uh decides to to turn it in for his career Al and Arkansas wins the west they'll say well I guess the west is not as tough as it used to be because a team like Arkansas just won it instead of validating uh, just the incredible, incredible turnaround of Sam Pittman and company. I, I really think that's what they'd say. I, yeah, because I agree with you as far as everyone would think that the SEC is down, which, of course, you know, is just the way it would be. But I guess a question also would be, is it sustainable at Arkansas? Because I think if that happened, I would say that, you know, Kendall Bryles will probably be offered a head coaching job. Maybe Barry Odom, too. Uh, maybe they leave. Uh, KJ would leave. You've had some other players that would leave. You lose Jalen Catalan. Bumper pool would be gone. Uh, you know, there'd just be a lot of players that would be moving on and everything. And so that would be the ultimate question where if Arkansas was able to do that this year, 
does the next two or three years become rebuild mode where it takes a while for him to get back? Or can this type of program and this type of coach with this type of culture be sustainable for the next few years where if they win 11 and one or whatever this year, that next year with maybe not go 11 and one again, but still be a highly competitive team in the SEC. I mean, it certainly would be difficult. And that's the greatness of Nick Saban down there in Alabama. You know, what are we 15 years now of him nonstop being at the top? I don't, I didn't think we'd ever see something like that in my lifetime, uh, but he's the only one to do it certainly for that long. So, I mean, it could be done. It would be incredibly difficult to do. I do think, though, that the transfer portal has uh, really helped teams like Arkansas, teams like Ole Miss uh, get plug-and-play type players, almost like free agency type players that that age your roster. We don't have to wait two, three, four years now for a coach to get all his guys in. So I think that helps. And I certainly think, uh, you know, some people have made the, the case with Texas and Oklahoma coming you know, we're going to be a super league and, and Arkansas and all these – and maybe the Mississippi schools and Kentucky, they're going to struggle. No, I, I look at it completely opposite. I think that's just going to elevate the entire SEC because the reality is at times – you know, I, it probably doesn't happen that often, but Arkansas does lose recruiting battles to TCU or Oklahoma State or Iowa or, or just insert a school like that. I don't think that's going to be happening anymore when we're in the super conference because it's going to be the SEC and everybody else. And I don't care how many California schools, the big 10 ads that doesn't threaten me because uh, last time I checked all the elite prospects there out of California are jumping to the SEC because they know where the best football is played. They know where all the talent uh, in coaching and playing NFL draft picks, coverage, fan bases, money when it comes to NIL, that's all concentrated in the Southeastern Conference. So I think, uh, you know, programs like Arkansas just continue to rise. And again, that'll help when we're talking about a super conference because maybe there is uh, an elite quarterback at TCU. Maybe there is an elite defensive end from Iowa State. And then Sam Pittman gets on a phone after they jump in the portal and say, hey, come compete for championships in Fayetteville. I think that's a hell of a lot more attractive uh, recruiting pitch than, hey, come compete for a minor league championship down here in the big 12, where uh, maybe people will see your games. Maybe they won't. Whereas in the SEC, every game is nationally televised and, and it's just, it's week after week after week of basically getting ready for the NFL. Okay. So looking at the SEC now, uh, I, I look at the coaching hot seat every single year heading into the year two. The only one I really <laughs> see is Auburn as far as with Brian Harson, I think, of course, no matter who the coach is, they're always on the hot seat heading into the year because Auburn's just nuts. But he's on the hot seat. But besides Brian Harson, and you could even say a coach is not getting fired, but coach is leaving. Who do you think is the next job that's open up in the SEC besides Auburn, whether a coach gets fired or whether a coach leaves for another job? It's funny because a lot of people love asking me that going into the year. I'm, I'm the complete opposite, John. I, I'm optimism everybody's going to do well your coach is great he's going to get extension everybody wants to fire somebody but yeah of course brian harson is is the easy answer but uh how about this i've now i've heard this from many people so i believe it to be true uh i hear old eli drinkowitz got his eyes on jumping from missouri potentially so that may be one to watch he was down there at auburn under gus malzahn uh, I think had they made a move on Brian Harson, he would have already tried to get that job. And 
Interestingly enough, I don't know if you how much you studied Auburn or Missouri's schedule, but uh, Missouri, I believe their first conference game is at Auburn. And this is coming right after Auburn hosts Penn State. So, you know, it could go one of two ways. Auburn could beat Penn State, which looks like, you know, top 15, top 10. I don't, I don't know. I don't know much about Penn State, but they're always overhyped. But if Auburn beats them, then all of a sudden, you know, he's going to be riding a wave of momentum. They'll probably destroy Missouri. But if they lose to Penn State at home and then they turn around and here comes Missouri, who every Auburn fan thinks we ought to whoop Missouri every year, they come in here and beat Auburn on the Plains. Who knows? I mean, Brian uh, Brian Harson may be gone that weekend and Eli Drinkwitz may be staying on the Plains, but I kind of kid. It's not going to go that, quite like that. But who knows? I, I think he's got something to prove when they go down to the Plains. So my eyes, I'd, I'd be watching Eli Drinkwitz. I think Razorback fans are just happy that's not them for a change, where they got a coach on the hot seat or anybody's predicting them to be dead last in the SEC West. Honestly, this may be one of the first times, I'm trying to think, like a SEC media days. I think they got picked sixth in the SEC last year, if I'm not mistaken, above Mississippi State. But I think it's realistic that Arkansas could be picked third, maybe fourth, and I can't remember the last time that happened. Like maybe 2017 or 2015 under Bielema. So it's just nice and for a change for Arkansas to not have a coach that's on the hot seat and everybody actually feeling pretty good about it too. But uh, how will yeah, you react I mean, if they, if they get picked fifth? I was, I asked someone from Arkansas the other, this, the other day, they were, <laughs> I'm just kind of curious what you'd say. Uh, now I guess by being picked fifth, I would assume that they'd be picked above like Auburn and Mississippi state. I, I just, again, going out on a limb to say that if they got picked there, I would, of course, think they're getting they're getting disrespected. I I would because it's like you got the second best quarterback in the SEC on your team. Like even if he didn't have anybody around him, that's still worth something. Right. Um, but like, and then I couldn't imagine. Now here's my thing: like with Ole Miss, I'm not saying they won't be good. I'm I'm not, but they have to replace literally everybody and everything, not just players but coaches. Like they have to replace so much, and they did a good job in the transfer portal. But I'm like. There's nothing I can point to and say, oh, this is why Ole Miss is for sure going to be great this year. And LSU with Brian Kelly, I don't even know if that guy's going to do well at LSU. Like, he's done good at Notre Dame and everything, but I'm like, you know, sometimes culture does matter, and sometimes a fit does matter. So, you know, I, there's just – to me, Arkansas should be picked just because you know more about them than you do these other teams. And so I would be feeling that's disrespected. I feel like if they got picked fourth, that'd be – all right, but if they got picked third, then I feel like a lot of Razorback fans would start feeling, okay, this you know, this might be real. This might be a reason to be extremely optimistic about this season. So, uh, yeah, I, I I feel like fifth would be disrespectful, though, just me personally. Yeah, hey, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if it happens. And I'll tell you what, Arkansas fans may be upset about it, but I think Sam Pittman would he'll take he'll take you picking Arkansas seventh. I mean, that helps his cause more than anything. You know what? Oh, yeah. He's a he's a guy with a chip on his shoulder and likes to use that as motivation. So who knows? Maybe if they got picked second. He'd probably still be like, see, they don't respect you. They don't think you can win the <laughs> SEC. So uh, I think he'd find it no matter how he needed to do it to try to find ways to to make it uh, effective for his team. But, Mike, we really appreciate you joining us, man. It's always fun to talk with you, talk a little SEC football and specifically talk about Razorback football. It's always good. Michael Bratton, you can follow him on Twitter at Michael W. Bratton of That SEC Podcast. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy the rest of talking season. I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. No doubt. Keep up the great work, John. Thanks for having me as always.